Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Books Are Chic. I am so thrilled to have this author with me today. She has been on my interview bucket list for so long. I have so many of her thrillers. I am so excited to celebrate her latest release, It's One of Us. It was so good. I finished it in record time. The pages were flying. I am so excited to welcome JT Ellison to Books Are Chic. Welcome, JT. Hi, Courtney. Thank you. It's so great to be here. I'm super excited. I'm super excited. I have been a fan for so long. You just write these thrillers that are like, I don't, I don't even know. I need to know everything about you because just with this one specifically, (laughs) I started it and I was like, I can't put this down, but then life happens and you have to put it down. But it was fun to come to at night and just fly through um, the pages because it was so good and like, I don't even know. So I would love to know though, how you got your start. Like, how did you come to be the JT Ellison? Because you have a huge okay. following. <laughs> <laughs> Which is awesome. Um, and and unexpected. Let me just say that. Not something I ever expected. I've always been a writer. Um, it's ever since I was little, I, you know, I'd write poems and chapbooks and and all of that kind of stuff. I got my first rejection when I was eight. My grandmother <laughs> took a poem that won the county contest um, that was in the little county newspaper and submitted it to True Confessions magazine. <laughs> so I got this lovely, dear oh JT, gosh. this isn't right for us. You know, please keep writing kind of thing. I'm like, what is this? So yeah, I started with rejection early, um, built up a pretty, could- a pretty strong you know, thick skin. That's as went to say. college. Went to college thinking that you know I was gonna uh, get a degree in creative writing and then move on to getting an MFA and and try to to do this. My thesis advisor though told me I wasn't good enough to get published, and so that was senior year, and and I was pretty rocked by that news, mm-hmm. and so I quit writing. I was a double major in politics and creative writing. And so I went the politics route and mm-hmm. got into George Washington University's political school of grad, uh, graduate school of political management. Um, and the first night of class, I met my husband. So Aww. everything happens for a reason. Here's yeah. the funny thing. The MFA program I was looking at, he was looking at that college's econ masters as well. So we were, we were meant to be together, right? We were meant to find each other regardless of what path. So he's from Tennessee, he's from Nashville and he wanted to move back to Nashville. He had an opportunity at the newspaper. And so I, I moved with him and turned into a bad country music song. I, my cat died. Um, I kept getting lost. I didn't have any friends. I couldn't find a job. And then when I finally did find a job, it was at a vet's office. And I was like, okay, this is great. I'll work in the front desk. Yeah, I've got a master's degree in political management. I'm working in a vet, right? Yeah. It's just it's just a mismatch from day one. And I, I knew that immediately. And the mm-hmm. third day before I, I was going to give him a whole week. And the third day, I picked up a golden retriever and herniated a disc in my back, had to have back surgery, and which you know, that's six months of lying flat on your back or standing straight up, nothing in between. So I, I read a lot, um, watched a lot of Xena warrior princess, um, and Jag, those are my, those are my go-tos. Um, 
and and I I read a lot, and one of the the librarians at the the library that I went to suggested John Sanford to me because I like crime fiction, I like thrillers, mm-hmm. and I was three books into the Prey series when I went, okay, this is what I want to do. I want to give this a try. What else am I going to do? I have nothing better to do, right? And I told my husband I want to write a novel, and he said, go for it, do it. I think that sounds like a great idea, and so I did. Um, and it didn't sell. I, I got an agent pretty quickly. Um, it didn't sell. And I kind of went back to that whole, oh, you're not good enough to get published, but he was very, very encouraging. He said, just keep going, write me another book. And that one sold in a three book deal, like the first night that we sent it out. So it was, it was a long circuitous and then very quick path. I got lucky really fast. I I mean, I feel, well, going back to the beginning, I feel like all the stars were aligned. And like you said, Mm -hmm. at eight years old, you were building up a thick skin for just anything in life, really, not even just the writer's rejection, but just, you knew, like, it was like they all, the universe knew that going forward, it wouldn't be just like a straight shot for you, even though you had like gone to school and done all these things, Yeah. but they all just came together, which is so incredible. It is. It is. It was meant to be. It was meant to be. And I love that, you know, the series that like made you be like, I want to be a writer. Like, I just love that. I I haven't um, read anything by John Sanford. So now I feel like I should, if you were like, I'm going to now oh. go and write this. Oh, he's fabulous. So his, his character is Lucas Davenport. He's a cop in Minneapolis, St. Paul. And he's, He's really a popular guy. Like everybody mm-hmm. loves him. He wrote a video. So he's totally unrealistic. He wrote a video game, sold it, has all the money. And so drives a Porsche to the crime scenes, which would never happen. You know, there's a lot of inconsistencies that, you know, but but Sanford's the pseudonym for a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist. And he kind of knew what he was doing, right? He's been on the beat for a really mm-hmm. long time. Um, I did not. The sum total of what I knew about cops is what I'd seen on Law and Order. So I had to do a like lot every- of research. Yeah, like everybody else, <laughs> we right? All think, I mean, yes. That's what we think the police investigation is. And and it scratches the surface, but it doesn't do it nearly the justice. Um, it captures a lot of the emotions, though, I think, mm-hmm. in a really good but as far as accuracy of how it works, you know, like a medical examiner staring at a body and declaring the cause of death and the time of death is, yeah, no, uh, no you know, that doesn't happen that way. <laughs> the scientific method, you know, the Socratic method has been thrown out the window entirely and mm-hmm. we're just making shit up. Right there. Uh, no, it's okay. Making stuff up. Oh, it's okay. okay. <laughs> Sorry. I think that we needed that word in there. Added a little flair. Flair. Uh, verisimilitude right <laughs> i am thriller chick okay yes. so anyway sorry pardon my french um so anyway that that really i wanted to get it right if i was going to mm-hmm. do it i wanted to get it right and so mm-hmm. i did a lot of research i did a number of ride-alongs um ended up doing autopsies working with the fbi working with survivalists working with you know anybody who would talk to me that was an mm-hmm. expert i tried to cultivate that relationship and I, the the best compliment I can get is when cops write me and say, man, you nailed it. This is exactly what it's like. And it's like, Mm -hmm. yes, yes, I did something right. That is so interesting to me because a lot of, you know, 
newer like thriller and crime writers that I've talked to, we always touch upon what it's like today. So like there are these armchair detectives and there, we have so much social media and people like oh, start definitely. going on these Reddit like wormholes and all of these things that, you know, are, you know, newer over the last few years. But I'm so like, do you just, when you're about to start researching and obviously earlier in your earlier books, you were saying you utilized all these resources. Do you just like cold reach out to people like your local police force? Or do you know people who know people like that is so interesting to me? No, I, I cold call people. I mean, I, you know, I'll check. I, yeah, I cultivated a lot of, of contacts while I yeah, was doing this. And so, you know, it's like, I'll call a contact and be like, Hey, I need to do X. Can we get in there? You know, that kind of stuff. And they, they have a tendency to, to help, which is wonderful. They want you to get the story right. Right. They want nothing more than to be portrayed in the light in which they work, which is one of, Oh my gosh, it's a hard job and yeah. it is thankless job. And especially now things have changed in policing dramatically over the past five years. And, you know, they are, they are the villains of the story. When, when we were growing up, um, we were told to find a policeman. And I think what's really fascinating is we've now learned there's an entire segment of society who was told, if you're in trouble, don't go anywhere near a policeman. Yeah. That to me is just, it's, it's heartbreaking and it has changed so much about my work and how I approach it. And, and I really, I mean, it makes it a, a much richer story now thinking in those terms as well. Yeah. So it's very delicate balance writing any kind of cop story right now. You have to be, you know, you have to be very, very delicate with, with this story. Yeah, there's there's so many layers to it now, instead of like you just a said, lot more. black and white. Yeah. It's so different now. So true. Um, when you get an idea, like how do you sort of source your ideas for, for your stories? And we can talk specifically about, you know, it's one of us, but just collectively, where, where do you pick up these thriller ideas? I get them everywhere. I, I get them everywhere. Sometimes it's a news story. Sometimes it's the actions of somebody I know um, or somebody I'm, I've heard about, you know, uh, somebody I've, I've come across. I eavesdrop a lot. I love <laughs> going to coffee shops and eavesdropping on people. And the pandemic has really, you know, been hard on me as far as that's concerned, because, you know, I really did feed off of other people's stories. And then we suddenly didn't have, we all had the same collective story for a really mm -hmm. long time. So that right. was, that was hard for me. Um, but you know, anything, anything can trigger an idea for me. And I've got a, uh, I use day one and I have an idea file and, you know, I write it down and I hashtag it story idea. And, you know, when I need a, an idea, I, I go into that file and I look through and be like, Ooh, I remember this. Oh yeah. And I try to write myself a note as to why I've, I've put it in here. You know, you can use it for this. It might be cool in this story, that kind of stuff. But everything triggers my imagination. I mean, it it just how people interact with one another, strangers on the street, clouds floating by. I mean, you just never, <laughs> you just never know. I try to open myself up to what the universe wants to give me as much as I possibly yeah. can. Do so you I don't utilize for ideas? Yeah. Do you utilize the story file a lot, or is it more like you find something and you're like, I'm just gonna go with that? I, you know, both, 
Yeah. Sometimes it's a very original idea that I just pursue immediately. Mm-hmm. A lot of times though, I store things for future books and it's, I, I know it'll be a future book. I know that it's a story that, that will be really, really great down the road. It almost always happens right when you've committed. So you're like 10 or 12,000 words into a new book. The proposal has been accepted. You're like committed a brilliant shiny idea will will show itself then and they always always show themselves around 70,000 words so i'm always thinking about what's next as i'm finishing up a story that's when i'm really thinking about where i'm going to go next yeah that's so interesting but such a great i mean i feel like a lot of authors will say i i always have a working list or something and i'm always curious to know like you know, working less could go on for year. Like you could have, I'm sure you get bazillions of ideas. I'll never get to them all. Um, And I do try very hard. It's like, oh, okay, this should go in this story. This should go in this story. Um, You know, I have probably five or six, 17 (coughs) ideas right now. Wow. um, That are, that are in my, my working mind file that I, uh, you know, I can pull upon and they're across all genres, a couple of different pen names. You know, I, I write fantasy under Joss Walker. If I was ever to write a romance novel, I would do it under another name, you know, because JT Ellison just is not synonymous with romance. Right. Right. It it would be different, but I just, you know, yeah. Ideas are not my problem. Time. Yeah, like time, time is my problem. So are you, once you have your idea and I'm sure you could research forever about your ideas because it just, your research is probably so fascinating. Do you heavily outline? Is a character the first spark in your mind? It's all about the character. Yeah. All about the character. Um, if I don't understand, so, so it's a character and a plot. Obviously I have to have a plot because I'm a thriller writer. Um, but if I don't understand the character's motivation, mm-hmm. it it just will not happen. I mean, I can sit down every single day. And if I don't understand why a character is doing something, then I can't make it happen. Um, the, the next book I'm working on, I actually just got off a call with my agent. Um, and I just, I was crowing because I finally figured out why she's done what she did. <laughs> And I was so excited. And she was like, oh, thank God. Because, you know, it's been it's been a year of me kind of talking about this story and talking about the story. And I've written 40,000 words of it. And it just isn't happening. Yeah. And I haven't been able to figure out why. And it's because I don't understand why she did what she did. But I do now. I was sitting on a balcony in Myrtle Beach. My flight got canceled last Friday and I stayed the night at the beach and literally, you know, on the beach and the waves crashing. There's something about water, right? Mm-hmm, the waves mm-hmm. crashing. And I got up really early with the sunrise and I sat on the balcony and I just was, I just was still for the first time in months and it appeared, it just appeared for me. It's like, I love oh. that. Yeah. Again, the universe so much. wants to give you what you want, right? And when you're yes. trying to force it and trying to push it and trying to, to you know, put that square peg in a round hole, it never works. It never works. And you just need to sit back, take a breath, meditate a little, get near some water. Water, I think, is one of the best creative resources for some reason. It is for me. Water is incredible. I grew up near the water and then moved and I was homesick for the water because yeah. when you take something that massive out of your life that you've grown up and you saw every single day, 
yeah. it's just an incredible force. So I love that you were like with yourself and then it just came, which like you yeah. said, the universe will give you what you need when you least expect it. I feel so. when you least expect it, if you yep. just open yourself to it. Yes. Put down your okay. phone. Yes. <laughs> Stare into space. I know. Put down your phone. That's such a good lesson. Um, okay. So tell, give us the blurb about It's One of Us. And then I want to jump into, you know, the why behind this book, because I feel like okay. there's got to be some, some good why behind this. There's a lot of why behind yeah. this book. <laughs> there's a lot of why behind this book. So It's One of Us is the story of a young couple who are trying and failing to have a family. Olivia Bender, um, and Park Bender. Olivia has had at the opening of the book, her sixth miscarriage. And she goes downstairs to tell Park what has happened and to get comforted by him. And before she can even tell him, the police knock on the door and they want to talk to them about their son. But obviously they don't have any children. And Park has to admit that he was actually a sperm donor 20 years earlier something that he neg he neglected to tell Olivia when she suggested that he donate, she very graciously offered for him to donate sperm um, to leave something of himself behind. And he had a great opportunity there to say, hey, I, I did it. It's all good. But he didn't. He didn't tell her. And now one of the children born of his sperm donation is wanted for murder. And it blows their minds. And he quickly finds out that he actually has 28 children. He has been exploited by the company that he worked with. And it is just, you know, he's, he has not told her the truth. They are already in a really fractious moment in their marriage. And this is the straw that breaks the camel's back and everything spins off from there. I mean, straws light. <laughs> right? this, I would be like, oh my gosh. So I don't, and we won't spoil for anybody. And that was like the perfect elevator pitch, but it was so mind blowing because at the beginning, when I started to read, I was like, interesting. Like, I don't really know where this is going to go, but there are so many layers to it aside from just that. And the fact that you wove in some, like there's this group of the kids that all talk and I'm like, oh my gosh, like this could actually really happen. Like people, Absolutely. you know, like young college guys and, and women too, with their eggs will sell sperm eggs to, to get money. You know, I remember ah. when I went to school in Boston and like this newspaper, they always were looking for like, you know, there was like wanted ads, but also you can just go to a, like a place, like a lab or whatever to do this. Um, but then you added the element of murder and it was like, right. This is why it I mean, was it, like, it's so quick. It's such a gift that you're giving people who yes. can't have families in a traditional manner you know, eggs and sperm. It's, it's such a gift. And I think it's, I think it's everybody's biggest nightmare that one of their children will become a criminal. Yes. Right. I mean, it's not, this is not something that, oh, it was a sperm donor's child that became a murderer. You know, right. it's, it's not meant to vilify this in any way, shape or any form. Kid, any it's, it's about free will, right. It's yeah. about yeah. free will. Um, but it is, it is something that is unregulated. 
and this whole industry, it's getting better regulated now mm-hmm. because of some major lawsuits. And obviously, you know, we've all seen the documentary about the doctor who, you know, impregnated a hundred women with his own sperm. And, you know, there's, there's always, and in any industry, I mean, no matter what it is, there's always going to be somebody who's going to try to tweak the rules and make it their own thing. And this company has done that. And, and it's really the story. We, we joke, it's the omission of his emissions. Um, but the, the concentric circles around the pebble the pebble is his sperm donation, right? Mm-hmm. You throw that in this pond and the concentric circles that come out from that story are all the points of view in this novel. Everybody in this novel is touched by that donation in one way or another, whether it is the daughter of the donation, the mother who used it, the wife who is rocked to the core by the fact that she can't carry a child, but her husband has 28 of them and hasn't told her. The husband who, you know, this was not what he signed up for. This isn't exactly. And by the way, he's going through hell because, you know, we we don't think sometimes about how hard it is on the partner in this scenario when a woman can't have a child, you know, their partner is, is suffering along these losses as well. And the police and the murder. I mean, there's just a lot of points of view in this and everybody is, is related to that one seminal moment so early on. Um, and it was so much fun to write because when one person got a little touchy or difficult, I could just switch into somebody else's point of view and explore them. And, and it's, it's really, it was, it was a lot of, it was very hard to write, but now looking back on it, it was really fun to write too. Yeah. Well, you made a good point with the one stone. I love that vision because you're right. It just all of those ripple effects over this one decision. Where Mm -hmm. did, where did Olivia and Park come from? How did you get the plot line for the story? So unfortunately, Olivia and Park's story mimics my husband and I's journey through infertility. Mm. I tried for years to have children. I could get pregnant. I could not stay pregnant. And I miscarried again and again and again for a decade. Um, it was, it was really hard. And we finally, we, you know, we, I made a joke when I talked him into it, I'm like, all right, babe, we're either going to get pregnant the first time out, or we're going to end up doing IVF. And both were true. (laughs) You know, it just, it was just one of those weird things. And and I was, I was geriatric at 34, um, trying to do this and we didn't tell anybody. We kept it to ourselves because, I felt like a failure. I felt like something was wrong with me. I couldn't do my one basic biological duty. You know, the one thing I'm, I'm, I'm capable of, um, I can't do cats can do what I cannot. And Olivia's fury at the situation is, is absolutely mimics my frustration at not being able to have my own children. Um, I, we, we lost twins and that's when I shut things down. I was like, I can't keep doing this. I'm meant to be a writer. That's my gift. And I told my husband, I want you to donate if you want to, you don't have to tell me, you can tell me if you want to, but if you would rather keep this to yourself, it's completely, you know, you have all of my blessings to do this. If you feel like you want to leave something of yourself behind in this way. Um, And so I don't know if you did. 
right? We've never, we've never discussed it and that's fine. But then I started thinking a few years later, I'm like, what if they start knocking on the door? How would I react? All these people start knocking on the door and saying, Hey, I'm your, I'm your kid. And I'd be like, Hey, cool. Somebody to take care of us in our old age. (laughs) Right. But what if one of them was wanted for murder? Oh, okay. Well that would change everything. And I think that's the core, that philosophical core of this story is what would I do if I was in this situation? And I think every single person that reads it can ask themselves that and then examine the answer. And it's, that is the fun of this story, I think, is trying to figure out, you know, how would you react? Would you do what Olivia does? Would you do what Park does? How would you handle this? So- See, this is why you are, well, first, I am so sorry. And 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 I feel like- there is so much pressure put on women and this happens more often than not. And sometimes people are very vocal about it and sometimes they feel like they can't be. And I hate that for them because I think once you say things and you realize how many more people are affected by whatever you want to share. Then, yeah. I mean, it's, in, it's, you know, it's so more often than not that we know about, but people, I think, like you said, there's this feeling of failure and, what have shame. you, but shame, but you know, we have so many other more gifts to give. Like there's so right. much more to women and it's international women's day. So I feel like that's a good, it is, thing right? to point out. but, um, that just makes the story so much more interesting. And that is why you are put, you are an author because you took something that you went through and asked yourself that question, but then like kicked it up a notch because, <laughs> um, I mean, just that question alone that, and you know, the fact that you allowed your husband to do that is just incredible. And the fact that you don't know is also incredible. And then, you know, like you said, they could, they could, you know, that could be true and they could come knock at your door. And, you know, that's so it's, there's so many, like, that's just, I would, I could go off on a tangent on that, but that's really an incredible story. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people would think that and ask why and or how or who or whatever. Um, And it becomes a very fertile playground for an author who is, you know, trying to cope with some pretty heavy emotions that I don't do feelings very well. Um, I never have done feelings well, but this has been really big. And I wanted, you know, to destigmatize this. I want us to be able to say the words aloud and not have people cringe, right? Anytime. That's why I didn't tell anybody. Anytime we told someone, they cringed. Mm-hmm. And and it was just like, okay, well, that, you know, I don't want to drive you away with this thing that happens to everyone. everyone. And, you know, the deeper I got into it and the closer to my friends, then, you know, it turns out, oh, everybody's had a miscarriage. Everybody who has been trying and has kids has been, has had one, right? Yeah. It's so incredibly common. And that was when I went, all right, this is something that we need to be able to talk about. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. if Gwyneth Paltrow can make menopause sexy, maybe we can talk <laughs> about this amongst ourselves and not feel like we've failed in some way. Because there is, you're right, it isn't the only thing that we have to give. And even if you, like us, we never, it, it didn't work for us. We we never did have children and that's okay. I mean, we have a rich love, lovely, joyful, happy life. And if there's anything I can give to anyone who is going through this is that knowledge that there Mm -hmm. is life on the other side of this and you're going to be okay. 
Yeah. I think that that's like so amazing. I was just going to say more people like you have to say that because I think, you know, women get stuck in these ruts of like, I need to make it happen. I need to make it happen. I need to make it happen. And like your body responds to things like that. So it's almost like you just have to, like we've said, the universe is like our third guest (laughs) today on this podcast, but like things will happen if they're supposed to happen. And if they don't, for some reason, they're whether it's you have so much more to give or there's other things in life that you can pull from. And I know that that's, you know, it's, you have to practice that. That's a hard thing, especially if you're so hung up on something um, that you want so badly um, is just, yeah. I mean, like you said, you should preach this and share this because whether it's kids or whatever it may be, the more we talk about things openly, the e- people shouldn't have to feel like they have to hold on to it. It's just going to make it worse and they'll never be able to cross over to the other side, you know, right. knowing that right. there's people out there to support them. So I just, you know, I, I love this book, but knowing your whole journey just makes it even better and not, and I'm sorry that you had to go through that, but you are thank you bringing awareness to this. And I think like we've said, there's so, it's so much more prevalent than not. And, you know, it does need to be talked about. So it really does. It really yeah. does. And we need to, we need to be able to hold each other up. Yeah. 100%. Did you have a favorite character that you wrote? <laughs> um, I loved Scarlett. Oh yes. my gosh. My 15 year old. She who, was awesome. Uh, she just wants, she doesn't have what everybody around her has. She's, she's got an incredibly hardworking single mom, mm-hmm. um, a mom who chose to be single, who isn't, she's not divorced or anything. She didn't have a great upbringing and she wanted to have a family, but she didn't want to have that dynamic. And so she used a sperm donor to have two kids and Scarlett wants nothing more than to have a dad. I mean, like any typical 16 year old wants what they can't have. Um, and uh, obviously her mom, Darby has been very clear that, you know, he signed away his rights. You, you can't contact him. This is not, you know, this isn't a thing. She calls him the donor and, and it just drives Scarlett crazy. So Scarlett decides to take things into her own hands, gets DNA done and starts matching to all of these kids and pulls them all together into a Discord server where they can have a, a safe conversation with one another and get to know each other. Um, and she has been very busy putting everyone together in order to do that. And she's just such a spark of light in this mm-hmm. story. She's, mm-hmm. She is irrepressible and precocious and just everything that I, if I had a teenage girl, I would want her to be Scarlet, right? She's wicked smart, a little bit of a rule breaker, um, willing to do what it takes to get what she wants, which I think um, is something that we don't celebrate in women enough. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's she's going to go get this, whether whether it's the right thing or the wrong thing, but it's what she wants. Yeah. Um, she's just a lot of, she was a lot of fun to write. And I like the, the scientific stuff that she was doing, the computer science and hacking and, and all of that. That's, that's fun. I loved her. She was great. And I loved that whole like storyline within because it gave it, there was something for everybody in that. And that gave it like this young, her young, like techno technical, she had, you know, they were chatting and she was like, you know, leading this army and (laughs) trying to figure out. Yeah. Right. She was great. 
She was awesome. I loved her too. Um, and I just, I just love, I mean, I can't, it was so, so, so good. And I just want to read the front because I have had the privilege to interview Ruth Ware, who I'm a huge fan too. And I feel like you guys are on the same kind of field. And she said, a heart-stoppingly tense thriller about the price of secrets and the layers behind every marriage. And so I love that because there is this whole marriage storyline too, that's under pressure, before the murder. And so I love that too, just that sort of tension that was being pulled throughout the whole between Park and Olivia too. I just thought was, I mean, I just loved it. I don't know what to say. Can, can I just say, <laughs> I mean, I pretty much fainted when I got that blurb from Ruth. I mean, for Ruth Ware to blurb your book, you're like, yep, I've made it. Okay. You made it. This is pretty dang cool. <laughs> She's, yeah. She, I'm, I'm a huge fan of hers. I'm a huge, huge fan of hers. But you so know what? Amazing. I, I feel like there's authors out there who you do blurbs for that feel the same way. So you should feel that they're like, oh Aww. my God, JT Ellison's blurbing so my book. So you know what? It's all good. So, okay. So you said that, have you already done your 2024 book or is that what you're working with right now? That's the one I'm working with right now. And okay. so I don't, I don't know that 2024 is going to be on the, <laughs> on the table. We'll see. Yeah. Um, now that I know what I did wrong, yeah. I, I can go back and do, I'm still on tour. So you're, you're like my last event this week. I, I have three events on Tuesday, three virtual events on Tuesday, and then I'm like off for two weeks. So this is, this is kind mm -hmm. of it. This wraps the, the week three of touring, which was, this is a three week tour. Um, and I, so I haven't really been able to sit down and think through everything, the epiphanies that I had. Um, and I'm looking for, I've got another couple of projects that I've got to just wrap up real, real quick, um, tie, tie a couple of bows on. And so in about two weeks, I'm going to be able to sit down and start really digging in, um, and figure out what I'm doing. And then I've got to go on vacation with my family for 10 days and then I'll be really going hard for the rest of the summer. Um, and hopefully we'll have it done by the end of the summer. And, and I'm excited because, but it's hard, you know, this book was special, mm -hmm. really special. special. Yeah. So I'm having a little bit of the yips trying to figure out how, you know, how do you top it? I always want to level up on every book. I want every book to be as engaging or more engaging as the last one. Mm -hmm. um, this one was a big leap forward for me craft wise. It was a leap forward for me emotionally as a writer. And I, I'm trying to wrap my head around, okay, <laughs> now you got to go do it again. You know, even this yeah. is my 25th, uh, 25th novel and it doesn't get easier. It actually gets a lot harder with every book because it's, you know, you get better at your craft, you get better mm -hmm. at how to tell a story and you connect with more people. And then you've got to make sure that you don't disappoint them. And that's, you know, I want to make sure that this next book is as good as this one, as unique, as original. I think it is, um, especially now, I think it is, but um, we'll see. So I'm going to be working real hard this summer. I'm actually going to take a couple of months off of the internet entirely. I'm just going to go be a hermit in the cave and try to make things happen. I'm excited. I yeah, I, I can't. I, I you're just going up, girl. I I don't see. I, I I'm Thank not worried you. about it. And plus, what? However long we have to wait for this one, like you said, this was your 25th thriller, right? So yeah, we have 
There's a few people others have, out there. People have, Bill, yeah, people can go to the back catalog and just dig in. Um, okay, now it is time for JT Sheikless. I'm so excited to see what she has to say. Okay, the author that inspired inspires you the most and why? Well, I mean, we've got to say John Sanford because yeah. that's how I ended up writing, right? That's how I ended up writing. Um, but another one who really inspires me is Alison Brennan. She's yeah. a thriller writer. She raised five children, wrote three books a year while raising five children. Um, never gets dull, never gets, you know, she's just as sharp as a tack with her work. Um, and her work ethic just is something that I admire so, so much. And I try to model myself after the people whose work ethics I admire. And she's certainly one of them. I love that. That's incredible. I didn't know that about her. Wow. Um, Pretty cool, yeah, right? Yeah, really cool. Your current TV binge series. Oh, we just finished Bad Sisters. Oh, me too. Oh, <gasps> wow. Loved it. Loved Same. it. And then we, we also just finished Ancient Apocalypse. Oh, I um, the the quote unquote pseudo archaeologist. He's a journalist who believes that there was a lost civilization, an ancient civilization that was much more um, uh, technologically advanced mm -hmm. than the hunter gatherers, and that they are the ones that taught the hunter gatherers how to hunt and gather. Um, it, it's it's really worth it. It's on Netflix, and it just posits some very fun questions. You know, there's there's a couple of sections in history that just don't have any historical record. So yeah. what happened? And that's right. what he's there talking about. I is great fodder for me. <laughs> uh, okay, you know? I was I was gonna say um, okay, and you said that was on Netflix. Yeah, ancient okay. apocalypse. Bad Sisters. I was so watching that show. I've never been so angry at a character that I felt like I really wanted to like kill him. Right. And I mean, he dies. He's dead. I mean, yeah. we don't. It's we secret. know that right he away. Yeah. Dead. Yeah. The mystery is how did he get dead? Yes. And oh my, I mean, I just thought it was pitch perfect and, and it was Same. very funny and very morbid and very, just all the right things, all the, all the right, you know, again, concentric circles around mm -hmm. a, a decision and how that affects everything. And I just thought it was fabulous. Yes. I agree. It was so great. Um, last favorite book and current read. Last favorite book. Um, I'm currently reading Danielle Girard's Up Close which is the third in her Kylie Milliard detective series. And it's really, really great. Um, favorite, favorite recent read. Is that what you said? Yeah, yep. Um, I'm going to go with Arca by oh. it's Greer McAllister writing as GR McAllister. Um, it is the five queendoms. It's the second book in the five queendoms. Oh. And it is a, a feminist Game of Thrones. Perfect Ooh. for International Women's Day. It is a feminist Game of Thrones, um, an absolutely unique, well done, new epic fantasy series. Um, the first one is Scorpica and the second one is Arca. Those are two of the five queendoms. Um, and they've just finished in, in Scorpica, they've just finished the drought of girls only women can lead. 
and they haven't had any women born into the five queendoms in many, many years. And so obviously that's creating a political nightmare for them because they're going to have to start allowing men to, to lead. Um, it's, it's really, really well done, really well executed. That sounds really good. I'm going to have to look yeah, that up. Yeah, great. Great stuff. Um, okay. Sander Snow. You know, that's incredibly hard because I grew up in Colorado and came down to my grandparents in the summers. And so it was sand and snow. So, I mean, snow's always going to edge it out just a touch mm-hmm. because there is just nothing prettier than snow falling from the sky. But I like sand a lot too. So I'd say I'm I'm 51 snow, 49 sand. Love that. Um, Coffee, tea, order. Tea, tea, loose leaf, excellent, brewed one pot at a time. I'm a tea snob. Love that. Tea snob. Um, Favorite bookstagram account? Favorite bookstagram? Oh my God. Um, Now I wish I had looked at the, at the questions. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Crime by the book, Abby Endler. I love her. Yep. She's great. She, I got a lot of book recommendations there Same. and she, she has just such verve. I mean, just such an original voice and uh, she's got style and verve and she's contagiously fun. And yeah, I'm going to give her a I love a that shout, shout out. out. I love that. Um, name an I author you'd love Billings to have. Too. You follow Gare I sure do. Yes. Gare indeed yep. reads because I mean, he, he's casting these books. I so, know, you know we some the, of his casts, I'm like, okay, we need to like, the chart we should make this happen. Like someone needs to make right. this happen. Somebody needs to be reading his feed. I know. They right? Should, Somebody like, from they, Hollywood needs yes. to be reading. He should be connected to Hollywood somehow. I don't know yes. how that hasn't happened. 100%. 100 um, Name an author you'd love to have coffee or a cocktail with. God, who wouldn't I? Right? I know. Um, I just had, I just actually talked with Ruth Ware. So she doesn't, uh, I, I don't get Ruth Ware because I've seen her recently. Um, you know, Karen Slaughter. I had, I met her at a book signing and it went sideways because of, my <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was young. I was a writer and my people were there and they were bragging in line about me instead of letting me be the fangirl of her. I would like to go back and meet her again for the first time and do that over and, and take her for coffee and actually, you know, be able to, to express the appropriate amount of, I, a fangirl. Let's just say that. Yeah. <laughs> that is too funny. Well, those were your people. That was what they have to do. They that were, for you. Well, and it actually it was led me getting my, my a death investigator and a medical examiner who were my resources. But, you know, I was there to talk to Karen and they're all, you know, they're like, Hey, you know, she writes too. And I'm like, stop, stop. This isn't about me. This is about Karen. I want to meet Karen. And then one of them, she's like, well, what does she write? And they're like, JTL. And she goes, and then it turned into that. And it was like, guys, I'm meeting my hero. Can we talk yeah. to this right now? <laughs> You're like, zip it, zip it. <laughs> I love it. that. She seems really fun. So she would be fun to have a super, coffee or cocktail. Super interesting chick. Yeah. 
Who is your style icon? I have just changed a lot of my style because of Sarah Samuel Stewart. Oh, I don't know who that um, is. She is a designer. So Olivia in this book is a designer, right? She's yes, an yes. architectural designer. I'm fascinated by design shows. And Sarah's work is incredible and her aesthetic is incredible and her her outfits, I don't like how she dresses. It's not, I would never dress like that, mm -hmm. but it inspired me to go look at my closet and be like, you know what? The pandemic's over. Hard pants can, can come back into the mix. Um, and, and I wanted something, you know, she has a very drapey style and I, I, I've gone a little drapier because of that. And it's, it's very fun. I like it. Okay. I love that. I'm going to look her up. Book you wish they made a movie out of. Mine. All yeah. of mine. <laughs> Let's do it. We should. They should. Who's listening? Universe. I, I would. Yeah. I would love to see. Yeah. Hello, universe. I would love to see Greer's fantasy novels um, on the screen. Martha Wells' Murderbot Diaries, I think would also be pretty spectacular. Um, I would like to see Ruth Ware's The It Girl. That would be a really great yep. movie. Because I think that would be a good movie. It would be better than episodic TV. I think that yeah, that has like a kind of reversal that you want from a movie. Um, oh my God, I could go on and on and on. Puns. I know there's so many good These ones. These are supposed to be quick them. answers and look at, I'm like. No, I love it. The more the merrier. Um, okay, last question. Best advice for an aspiring writer or reader? Find your time and respect it. If you, you know, if you want to write a book and you don't have time, your passion for writing a book isn't there. I have way too many friends who get up at 5 a.m. and write for two hours before they get the kids out of bed and take them to school and go to their day job, right? If you really want it, you're going to find a way to do it. But especially for women authors, I think it's incredibly important that you respect your time once you find it and you expect the people around you to respect it as well. You know, it's, it's so easy when we work for ourselves to, you know, have friends go, Hey, let's go have lunch. Hey, let's go do this. Hey, let's do that. Um, and for your family to, to come and interrupt you when you're trying to concentrate. And so you need to establish, even if it's just an hour of your time every day, that that's yours. Nobody yeah. else gets to have you at that moment. That is just you for your art. And it's for all art. It's not just writers. Mm-hmm. I think for reading as well, we all want to read more, right. make the time you yep. make the time you respect it. If you respect your work, other people will respect it as well. I love that. Boundaries. That's so great. That's so yeah. great. And I love that you added readers. Cause I feel like everyone's always like, Oh my God, I want to be a reader again. And I'm like, just read just like people are like, I want to be a writer. It's like, then sit down and write like you, right. and then it, you'll time. start to build. Yeah. A, a habit. And you're just like, you know, I read, you know, at 530 every morning, at least for 20, it's 20 minutes, but it's 20 minutes. And then, you know, I get ready to go to work. That, acc that accretion over time that yep. lets you do that. Cal I'm a big fan of Cal Newport and, and I have been for a really long time. And Cal, uh, Digital Minimalism is a really great book. Deep work, really great book. Just teaching how to set those boundaries for mm -hmm. yourself. 
Yeah. Um, and reinforcing the need to do that. We don't need to be on Instagram for 10 hours a day. We don't, yeah, you know, don't. cut, cut that, cut that mm-hmm, for just mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, and Hey, I'm, you know, I I'm, I'm a doom scroller just as, as much as the next girl, but sometimes you just need to set, set all that aside and, and nourish yourself in different ways. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Where can people follow you on Instagram? I am Thriller Chick. Which I love. Thriller Chick. Um, and that's, I'm on Twitter and Instagram as Thriller Chick. My Facebook is JT Ellison slash four, no, slash JT Ellison 14. Um, and then I have a, a private group on the Facebook called The Literati, which you can get to through my website, jtellison.com. I also have a monthly newsletter, which um, I do book recommendations and recipes and cat pictures and, you know, uh, polls. I've gotten into polls lately. And so I'm really, really having fun (laughs) with asking people, you know, I'm curious about people and I'm curious about the things that they like to do and how they do it. So that's been a lot of fun. So definitely sign up for the newsletter. You can get all kinds of insider information early. I have a contest in there. Um, I won't spam you and I won't share your list. Love that. So everyone has to follow JT. Everyone has to read It's One of Us or go back to the back catalog if you've already read this. And thank you for chatting with me. Like you filled all that I expected and more. Oh, Courtney, thank you. I've been really excited about this. I'm so glad we were able to make it work. Me too. Me too. I feel like I've gotten a lot of your books over the years and I've always been a fan. And like we've said, as the theme of this whole discussion, the universe just aligned it for the perfect time. So I'm so glad that this was the book we could celebrate um, because it does have a special tie to you. And just, I'm so happy that I could share the love on this one. It was so great. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you everyone for tuning in.